Welcome to the Chaos and Order podcast. I'm Matthew, and I want to help you exist in the chaos of our world. I believe in freedom and responsibility. I realize we are often responsible for most of the chaos in our lives. So let's cut some chaos and add order where we can. However, change and growth will take work and add chaos. And that's why I'm here to help. Yes, I am on a personal development journey, rooted in philosophy, and I want to share some knowledge with you. Quick disclaimer, I am not your therapist. I have one, we should all have one, and I can recommend one to you if you'd like, but this is not a replacement for professional counseling. So stick around and discover, I am just as likely to be goofy as I am professional, and almost always entertaining. Welcome to episode 15. I just want to take a second and thank you all for reaching out to me on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Although on Twitter, I'm Chaos and Order Co. But thank you so much for reaching out and showing that love. Today we're diving into the third agreement of the four from this fantastic book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I want to open with a paragraph from the middle of the chapter because I think it's the perfect segue from the last couple weeks into today. He says, the day you stop making assumptions, you will communicate cleanly and clearly, free of emotional poison. Without making assumptions, your word becomes impeccable. And while there might be many points to philosophy, one of them is that we communicate or argue or debate cleanly and clearly. And conversations really should be free of emotion. Of course, here he's talking about emotional poison. But why I love this chapter so much is it might be the most philosophical of them all. In philosophy, you cannot assume anything. And I would even go so far as to say, I think a lot of the problems, if not most of the problems that we have with our loved ones in our lives is because we do not communicate cleanly, clearly, and free of emotional poison. We all assume so much every single day. But that's only half the problem. The other half the problem is... We believe our assumptions to be true, as he says at the beginning of this chapter. He goes on to say, and I quote, We make assumptions about what others are doing and thinking. We take it personally. Then we blame them and react by sending emotional poison with our word. End quote. And because of all this, it causes so much drama. Or, hey, hey, chaos. He connects us to the previous chapter by saying, All sadness and drama you have lived in your life was rooted in making assumptions and taking things personally. And this is so stinking true. I'm sure you all have heard all kinds of quotes about false expectations and how we get hurt, become sad, get pissed off because of false expectations about a person, an event, a thing that you order from Amazon. But all those false expectations were assumptions. And so all of this drama comes from believing that our assumptions are true. And people hate looking like a fool. And so they blame the product, the situation, the person, the event, whatever, Instead of taking responsibility, which adds more drama, because as he says here, we defend our assumptions and try to make someone else wrong. I'm not sure how I feel about this phrase, there are no stupid questions. As a philosopher, I've gone back and forth on it throughout my life. I can say in class many times, I've seen myself wrong, in a sense that a student would ask a question, and it might be way off in what we were talking about, but it was because I was not communicating clearly what was going on. Especially in an intro class, I can't assume that a student knows anything about anything in my classes. When they reach college, they've had about a dozen history, math, science, English classes, but it is rare that I've ever had a student that had even the opportunity to take a philosophy class. I also can't assume that they read the book or did any research on their own 
And so sometimes it does fall on me in that I have not been communicating clearly. So certainly in the classroom, I do not think there are any stupid questions. Even when I ask if there's any questions and somebody says, what conditioner do you use? That's just a fun question to me. But asking questions might be the only way we can stop making assumptions. I'm going to have to sit down and do this We Create Reality episode sooner or later. So bear with me. But what Dr. Ruiz says here totally goes along with it as he says, and I quote, We only see what we want to see and hear what we want to hear. We don't perceive things the way they are. We have the habit of dreaming with no basis in reality. End quote. And we do. We see things the way that we want to see them. We always hear what we want to hear, which means we are denying so much and then make assumptions to fill in the gaps where the two realities do not collide. So ask questions to make sure that you are always on the same page with whomever you are dealing with. The chapter zeroes in on relationships and how we make assumptions with our partners. He says we assume they're going to do what we want because they know us so well. And this has been talked about in so many different ways by so many different people. And we kind of touched on them in the existential episodes when we talked about scripts. Shakespeare wrote a script for Hamlet to go to that corner of the stage and hold this thing and say that thing. And we write scripts for other people in our lives. We write scripts for our spouses, our kids, our bosses, our friends, our parents, our siblings, and we assume they are going to act in the way that we wrote them, even when we have never even thought about talking to them about our false expectations or assumptions for them. And what happens when they don't follow our scripts? We get hurt, we get pissed, we get offended. Because especially if you're talking about your significant other, where you have a very personal, intimate, and here, yes, emotional relationship, you will get emotional whenever they don't follow your script. And this is why we so often find ourselves fighting with those we are closest to. Jean-Paul Sartre, the French existentialist, the one who gave us that beautiful phrase, existence precedes essence, also gave us the phrase that he is probably most well known for, and that is quite simply, hell is other people. This comes towards the end of his brilliant play, No Exit, and whether you realize it or not, you have probably seen an episode of a TV show 100% based on Sartre's play, No Exit. Off the top of my head, I know there's a Battlestar Galactica episode, which I have not seen, but I have seen the House MD episode entitled One Day, One Room, I believe, and a West Wing episode entitled No Exit, if I remember correctly. If you just Google it, you'll find dozens of others, I'm sure. But his phrase, Hell is Other People, has a couple meanings. Yes, 100%, to me, I remember this phrase when I go to Walmart, and remember that hell is other people. But now I'm old enough and wise enough to realize that's because I'm being selfish. Because I'm making myself the center of the universe, and I think my time is more precious than anybody else's in my way. But probably a little closer to what Jean-Paul Sartre meant with his phrase, Hell is Other People, is that everyone has a completely different opinion, perspective, or idea of who you are in their mind. Yes, indeedy, there are quite possibly thousands of yous out there, because people only see and hear what they want from you. And from really that limited perspective, they have built this picture of who you are. But we have all changed countless times in our lives. We have all gone through so many phases, and if somebody only saw you on one of them, that quote-unquote you 
has been gone or dead for a very long time. Think of anybody you went to middle school with, assuming you do not talk to any of them anymore. And yes, I realize what I just said. But I went to middle school in a town that I lived in for three years, and then I moved. Again. So for that brief window of time, I lived in that town in a completely different state, and they got that version of me. And I no longer talk to anybody from that town. So this phrase, hell as other people, carries the idea that, especially once we're dead, we are no longer around to correct people's assumptions about us. Building on that existential lecture, and Sartre's phrase, existence precedes essence, once we are dead, our essence is complete. We no longer have the freedom to redefine ourselves. But every person we ever met is still stuck with their assumption of who we are. And we no longer have the ability to show them, hopefully, the amazing ways that we have changed or grown into a better person. So hell is other people because we are being misrepresented in their assumptions of who we are. This chapter also brings out, and here I'm back to the four agreements, how we assume the person we marry has the exact same view of what marriage is that we hold. And nothing could be further from the truth. I think everybody's view of love is completely different because it has been shaped by what they saw as love from their parents and some uncles and every other marriage or love that they saw in their early life. Their definition of love has also changed based on every single relationship that they've ever had. And so we all bring all of these different life experiences or definitions to our relationships or marriage. One of the coolest things I ever did in a class I used to teach at another college was we would sometimes spend an entire hour walking up to the board and writing synonyms for love and hate. I'd have about 10 markers in the room. There'd be about 25 students. And I told everybody to stand up and come write one synonym for love on the board. And they could not repeat one that was already written. So holler out as you write on the board, your synonym for love. They wrote one on the board, went to sit down, and then I told them to do it again. And then I told them to do it again, and sometimes I would even have them do it a fourth time, depending on how many students were in the class. And we filled the board with 50, 60, 70 synonyms for love. Then we'd erase them all after a conversation or two and do one or two rounds of hate. This was not only very eye-opening to me, every single class being different, but also very eye-opening to what was mostly 18 to 21-year-olds who maybe had only ever known one or two personal relationships and maybe their parents' relationship. We all bring all of these assumptions into our relationships, and we cannot do this unless you want to suffer endlessly and needlessly. I want to point out that Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School has tons of fantastic resources and information for you. If you're interested in this, please look up her podcast and search for something that she calls the manual, in the sense that we write manuals for people in our lives and rarely have the courtesy to tell them about them. I want to read an entire paragraph to you from the Four Agreements because I think it's that important. He says, It is very interesting how the human mind works. We have the need to justify everything, to explain and understand everything, in order to feel safe. We have millions of questions that need answers because there are so many things that the reasoning mind cannot explain. It is not important if the answer is correct, just that the answer itself makes us feel safe. This is why we make assumptions. End quote. We could talk Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
We could talk animalistic instincts, because at the end of the day, we are mammals, but we assume so much to not only fill in the blanks, but because it is comforting and it makes us feel safe. Nobody wants to feel lost. Nobody wants to feel insecure or shaky in their understanding of something. And we certainly don't want to feel ignorant or unknowing in our relationships, which forces us to assume we know how our significant other will respond, react, show up, and care about us. Next time you or a friend or loved one is talking about a relationship issue, try to identify the assumptions that that person is making about their significant other. If you want to take it a step further, bring in the cliche, out of sight, out of mind. In the sense that we assume what our people are doing when we are out of their sight or mind. We can not only blow things way out of proportion, that have no basis in reality, but in a slightly less dramatic sense, we assume we understand what our loved one is doing when they are out of our sight. Because it makes us feel safe when really we have no control over any of the situations. I can only imagine my poor mother. When I got my driver's license and I was hanging out with the friends that she knew about late at night or all weekend, but she probably had to assume that I had not been in a car wreck, that I wasn't dead in a ditch somewhere, although there was more than one occasion where I was completely passed out drunk in ditches unable to move. And she knew that. She knew we were partying. She knew we were up to no good. But she had to assume to comfort her anxieties. Now, my mother and I did have a good relationship back then, and it was probably a little bit more open in our communication than she preferred, because I really didn't hide much of what I was doing, which again probably made it all worse for her, knowing the type of teenager I was being. She even blames me for her only B in grad school, the semester I told her I lost my virginity. But as we know from previous episodes, you can't control other people, and her actions and outcomes or consequences were 100% based on her thoughts and feelings. So that shit's on you, Ma. Love you, Mommy. Well, I joke and I digress, but you get my point. We assume so much only to feel safe and often end up creating so much more drama and chaos only because we are afraid to have those clean and clear conversations. And this is one of the fantastic things that gets brought out in this chapter because a lot of this does come down to courage. We must have the courage to ask questions to stop assuming. Let's go back to episode three where we talked about Plato's tripartite soul. We have the rational part, we have the spirited part, and we have the appetitive part, remember? We get wisdom from the rational part, courage from the spirited part, or here we could also say ambition, and we should have moderation for the appetites that we all possess. But to live a just life, you must have the courage to seek understanding, especially in those important relationships. I think we can see a parallel here in that a good and healthy relationship must be feeding those appetites. Because we have appetites. Sex is awesome, when done right. And we should fulfill our partner's desire as often and in many ways as possible throughout the relationship. We should also feed the rational part of our soul or relationships. You're never going to be done learning about your partner. I've been in a couple three-ish year relationships, and I remember learning stuff about them towards the end, and I also remember them being shocked to learn stuff about me towards the end. Not in the big, chaotic, explosion, end-of-the-relationship stuff, but 
months prior to it. But a just relationship must also have courage to be open and communicative with your partner. Remember from the Plato episode, justice is when each part of the soul is doing what it's best suited to do, and a just relationship will also have each part of the soul doing what it's best suited to do. And I can pinpoint a specific time in every one of my past relationships where I did not have the courage to ask the question or answer a question. I've known for a couple years now that I have anxiety, and I'm sure I've told you all that before, but I knew that was exactly what was going on. I was anxious about asking the question, and more often than not, it played a part in the end of a relationship. And honestly, it breaks my heart now to think about it, because I have been in love with some amazing women, but I was not ready to reciprocate that love. This chapter goes on to point out, you can ask anybody any question you want. And that person has the right to tell you yes or no. But you can always ask whatever you want. You can ask me for a million bucks. The answer is going to be no, because I obviously don't have it to give. But that will end your assumption as to whether or not I would give it to you. This chapter also spends some time on the idea that you cannot change another person. At least in roundabout ways we have dealt with that before. But you know you can't. You are responsible for your actions and they are responsible for theirs, but you cannot change another human being. And assuming that they will change to fit your script or manual is simply foolish, and you are kidding yourself if you think that that person will magically change for you. And they're not supposed to. Just like you are not responsible for changing you for them. You have the freedom to change if you want, and they have the freedom to leave. But we can never assume that people will change for us. And we need to stop assuming that people will magically become the people that we have dreamed them up to be. So that's the third agreement. Don't make assumptions. It's sage advice that I need reminded of sometimes many times throughout the day. And I hope you got something from it as well. So until next time, my friends, make wise choices. Bring some order into your life where you can by stop assuming really anything about anyone but also bring some chaos into your life where you need by having the courage to ask those sometimes difficult questions so that you can stop assuming some things in your relationships. Thank you so much for listening. If you connected with something discussed today and want to bring more order to your mind or life, message me and we can even set up a Zoom console. I am here for all of you in whatever way you may need. But if you're in education and want some help navigating that chaos, hit me up for sure. Everyone, please take a second to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening. This is very important to me and critical for new podcasts. On Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, I am Chaos and Order Coach. So please follow me, thump that heart react, and share all the posts with your loved ones. Help me grow this community for real. Think of it as our podcast. Tell me what topics you want to discuss, and I will gladly work up an episode for you. Until next time, make wise choices.